Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Joy Willette. Come on, come on. Oh, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Amen. It is uh, not a coincidence that I'm following Caleb Love because uh, that's what the Lord um, has in mind for this morning. So Jesus, we just thank you so much, God, for who you are. And Lord, we just take this moment right now to just lean back in the loving arms of our beautiful Father. And Lord, we just ask for deeper and deeper revelations, and not just revelations, but impartations and just encounters with your love, God. Not an idea or philosophy, but the substance of your love, the substance of who you are, Jesus. I just ask that your anointing would just be uh, so present in this place. Woo, there it is. Ha <laughs> ha. That your anointing would be so present in this place to meet people right where they're at with your anointing of love that goes forth and breaks yokes of bondages, that rips masks off and reveals your beautiful sons and daughters. And we just thank you so much for who you are. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Uh, So the title of this message, if you're looking for a title, uh, would be Wired for Love. Somebody say, I am wired for love. I'm wired for love, wired for love. Um, have, have you all heard um, about the four different loves in like uh, the Greek language, how there's, there's four different loves that are described? There's the agape love um, that is uh, like a self-sacrificing love. Um, there is eros love that's like that marital, like romantic kind of love. There is um, storge love, which I don't love that word. It just sounds, it's, it's an awkward word. It's kind of like the word cogent. It just doesn't roll off the tongue very well. But storge love is like a familial love. And, uh, and there's another one, and I'm blanking, and it's filio, filio, yeah, yeah. Filio is like a brotherly love, okay? So uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Four Loves and, and things like that. Um, what I want to talk to you about is agape love. Somebody say agape. Agape is self-sacrificial love. It is defined by being other-centered and being a self-giving love. Okay, how many of you know that God is love? And when it says that God is love, it says God is agape. Amen. God is agape. He is self-sacrificial love. He is other-centered. He is self-giving love. Now, um, we're going to take a little drink right now of the definitions of agape. So feel free to take a drink of the Father's love as you listen to this and, and to receive it personally for you. So agape is defined to welcome, to be fond of, and to love dearly. So just take a moment and just say, God, you are fond of me. God, you love me dearly. God, you welcome me. More definitions, to be well-pleased and contented with. 
to be well-pleased. God, you are well-pleased with me. You are content with me. To be full of goodwill and exhibit that goodwill. So God, I thank you that you are full of goodwill for me. And not only are you full of goodwill, but you actually exhibit and you demonstrate your goodwill to me. We just thank you, Lord. Another definition is to have preference for, to wish well to, and to regard the welfare of. So God, we just thank you that you have preference for me. Somebody say, you have preference for me. Oh, man, God loves us. God wishes us well. He regards our welfare. Another definition says to take pleasure in, to prize above other things, and to be unwilling to abandon it or to do without it. God, I thank you, Lord, that you take pleasure in us, that you prize us above, above all other things. And I thank you that you are unwilling to abandon us or do without us. I thank you, God, that your love is so good. And lastly, to welcome with desire and to long for. Somebody say, God desires me. Somebody say, God longs for me. Amen. Do you receive that? How does your, what does your heart do when you hear things like that? For some of us, it might be like... Soak it in. For some of us, it might be like little shields over our heart that are like, ping, not true, ping, not true, ping. Anyone relate to either one of those? Okay. Um, our, our Christian walk, like our whole process with the Lord is this process where he teaches us and he woos us to bring all the shields down so that his love can come in. Amen so that we can fully receive more of his love. Now, let me share something with you about the four loves. Um, eros love, which would be like that romantic love, the sexual love or whatever, um, it is not in the Bible. It's not in the New Testament. It is never used with reference to God. It is never used with reference to people. Every reference to love having to do with humans and God and those interactions is the word agape. So what does that mean? You are wired for agape love. You are wired for love, to receive love that is uh, someone is giving themselves over to you. Someone is sacrificing their needs for you. Someone is giving preference to you. Someone is favoring you and prizing you above all other things. Someone is unwilling to be without you. That is the kind of love that we are wired for. That's the kind of love that you're wired for, okay? Um, eros love is defined in Greek culture by being uh, a selfish love where you suck on the life force of something else as if the other thing doesn't matter at all, okay? Now, the problem comes when we think that we are capable of erosing things, that we can somehow draw life from something, that we can somehow, uh, you know, suck life force from something when that's actually not how we're wired. We're wired for agape. Okay? Jesus, help me to make this point. <laughs> okay. People think that they're able to pull life from things and get their needs met in that kind of way, but you actually are not able to do that. You are not wired for that. 
okay? So basically what that means is that you have a God-shaped hole in your heart. You have a God-shaped hole in the center of your being that nothing in this world can fill, okay? And that's the good news and that's the problem, okay? It's the good news and that's the problem, is that there is nothing in this world. Every, all the pleasures of this world, all the good things you can find of this world and in people and the things and fame and all those things is too small for the heart that God created you to have. Amen. It's a place that only he can fill. Only he can fill. Okay? Somebody say ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Okay, when we think that we can eros love something, it's actually an inoculation against real love. We are wired for agape. The problem is your perfect wiring. You are not broken because you have needs. I'm going to say that again. You are not broken because you have needs. Okay? The pain, the emptiness, the loneliness, whatever it is that you experience is because you are wired perfectly. Because you are wired perfectly and you are wired for agape and for God to come in and fill that spot because only he can. Amen? And when he comes in and he fills that spot and fills us with agape love, then we become a well that springs up, up in life. And then we can love and give ourselves sacrificially to other people in agape love. Amen? Okay. There is no person, no relationship, no personal fulfillment, no success, no financial reward, no fame, no enlightenment that can touch that God spot. Solomon tried every kind of pleasure and fulfillment. As a king, he tried everything. Everything you can think of, he tried it, okay? And what he came up with, he calls emptiness of emptiness. Emptiness of emptiness. So where does addiction come from? Where does addiction come from? So the scripture says that uh, human beings loved darkness rather than light. Human beings loved darkness rather than light. What form of love do you think that's talking about? Humans agape darkness rather than light. So the problem is, is that you are wired to give yourself over to something. That's how you're wired. You are wired to worship. You are wired to give yourself over to something, okay? And it says that humans loved, they agaped darkness rather than light, okay? The scripture also talks about the Pharisees. They agaped the upper seats in the, in the synagogues. It says that people agaped the praises of men. So what does that mean? What they're trying to do is fill that God spot hole, but they're filling it with the praises of men. And so what you end up doing is you give yourself over to the praises of men. You give yourself over to wanting the upper seat in the synagogue, but that will never, ever, 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 ever touch that spot because you are wired perfectly. You are wired for a perfect love, an ideal love that loves you unconditionally and decided a long time before you were born to love you no matter what you would do. Amen. Where does addiction come from? 
is because we're meant and we're wired for connection. We're wired for relationship. And when we experience pain, we try to fill it with something else. But that something else, we can't help but agape it. We can't help but give ourselves over to it because that's how we're wired. So the problem that you have is actually good news. The good news is that you were made in his image and you are love. Amen. You are agape. You just have to come and realize how much you are loved in him. Amen. You have to realize where it is that you can draw source from. Amen. All right. So what do we say to people when we see that they have addictions? Typically what we say to people is stop it. Stop that thing. Stop that behavior and you'll do better. What is the problem with that? What's the problem if they stop? What's the problem if they white-knuckle that addiction into obedience? What is the problem? What's the real problem? The real problem is a lack of connection to perfect love. Amen? You can white-knuckle behavior all day long. It doesn't solve the problem that you are not filled up. Amen? So we don't need to focus on the thing. Oh, that person is exhibiting so much pride. How can they be so prideful? We got to knock them down a notch. No. What's the real problem? The real problem is that they have agaped the praises of people. And they have a need that needs to be filled. And guess what? God wants to fill their need. But they just have to see where it is that they need to draw from. Amen? They're drawing from the wrong well. Does that make sense? Okay. Oh, that person in that filthy addiction and they're looking at stuff. They shouldn't be looking at, right? Of course, that's not healthy. Of course, it's not good. But if they white-knuckle that, it doesn't stop the real problem, a lack of connection to perfect agape love. Amen? That's the real problem. You know, Paul struggles with that in, uh, in Romans 7. You know, he says, like, I can't do it. You know, I will to do this thing, and when I will to do it, I don't do it, and the thing I don't want to do, I do. And he's so frustrated, he's like, I can't perform this, I can't do it. And so he starts to say, like, how, how, how is this going to be possible? Everything I want to do, I'm doing the wrong thing. It's just like, it's like I'm at war with myself, right? And then he has a powerful revelation when he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? Now we're not talking about a what, now we're talking about relationship. We're talking about a who now. And that was revelation. I need connection to someone that can save me from this. Amen? Can I tell you that all of your problems are relational? <laughs> all of your problems are relational. Either with the people around you or, you know, let's say you have a circumstance or a financial issue or whatever. It's a re relational problem. You got to get more of God's love in you. You got to receive more of his love. You got to let him pour out his grace on you. Amen. It's always relational. Always, 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 always. 
So Paul has this revelation. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? Finally, he's got his eyes off of himself and onto somebody needs to come and save me. And here's the solution in Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation at all for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Somebody say, God did. God did. (laughs) All of your problems are relational. He already did it for you. Here's here's something, I'm just going to drop a little mind grenade. Revelations 13, 8. The Lamb, Jesus Christ, was crucified from the foundations of the earth. He was crucified from the foundations of the earth. What does that mean? It means that he decided a long time ago to forgive you for everything you've ever done and everything that you even haven't done yet. Amen. He made a choice a long time ago, before there was earth, before there was anything that we've ever seen, before there was time, before sin existed, he made a decision to give himself over to you and prove his love for you. And he risked that. He gave us free will. He risked, not, not one of us could have chosen him back. He gave his love in such a reckless kind of way just so that we would have a chance to respond and say, yes, I want you back. Amen. That is how loved you are. That's how personal it is. If you were the only one on the planet he would have done it all. He would have, he would have said, you are worth all the pain, all the suffering. I did it for you. Amen. He, he didn't do like a, a, you know, buy one, get 10 free discount, you know. Like, it's personal. It's personal. If you were the only one, he would have taken it all for you. Before sin existed, he decided to suffer pain and torment and death And to taste of sin and to taste of separation from the Father because he couldn't be without you before he even created you. Amen. This is how good his love is. This is how good. We can plug into that source all day long. Just suck it in. Drink it up. Amen. It's a never-ending supply. His love is so, so, so good. Can I tell you that your number one anointing in ministry is to be loved by him? Your number one anointing is to be loved. Your number one anointing. We, we all, we want to see the cool stuff. We want to do great things for God. Your number one anointing is to sit in his presence and receive his love. Receive his love. Woo. Yeah, just receive his love right now. Whoa, we thank you, God. We thank you for the anointing to receive your love. How great is God's love? Um, You look at, uh, have you read the book Hosea? And God instructs Hosea to choose a... uh, basically a prostitute, someone that he knew would cheat on him, and, um, and says, I want you to marry her, bear children with her, because this is how my relationship is with the children of Israel, okay? Um, and so that's, that's kind of sets the stage 
for um, our condition and how much Jesus loves us, okay? So um, in, in this passage we're about to read, Gomer, um, she thought that her bread and water and wool and flax and oil and wine were from her lovers. So she chases down her lovers um, looking for that life. She's looking for life. She's looking for source. She's looking for provision from all her other lovers, okay? And now uh, let's put up on the screen Hosea 2, 6 through 8. If we have it, do we have it? Okay. All right, there we go. Hosea 2, 6 through 8. And this is, this is God speaking. Therefore, behold, I will obstruct her way with thorns, and I will build a stone wall against her so that she cannot find her paths. And she will pursue her lovers, but she will not reach them. And she will seek them, but will not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my first husband because it was better for me then than now. Yet she does not know that it was I myself who gave her the grain, the new wine, and the oil, and lavished on her silver and gold, which they used for Baal. Okay? So this is how much God loves us. She is seeking out her other lovers. She is cheating on him. We're cheating on him, right? And he says, I'm going to block her path. I'm going to stop her. I'm going to stop her from seeking her other lovers because then she's going to turn and know how good I am. And I'm going to show her it was actually me. It was me that was giving her the life. It was me that was her provider that she was crediting all these other things that she was chasing. Amen. How good is God's love? How good is God's love? What would we say with our earthly love? Just like, ah, kick her to the curb. <laughs> Peace out. You know, you're done. Okay. Oh, man. He chases, he chases her down. He chases her down. All right. Uh, next passage is Hosea 2, 14 to 16, and then 19 to 20. And then this is what he says. Therefore, behold, I am going to persuade her, bring her into the wilderness, and speak how to her. Speak kindly to her. And speak kindly to her. Then I will give her her vineyards from there, and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. Um, valley of Achor means the valley of trouble. Okay, so here she is seeking her other lovers, and she's in this valley of trouble, but he calls it a door of hope. Amen. He has a different view of what breakthrough is. Amen. The valley of trouble is actually her door of hope. And she will respond there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she went up from the land of Egypt. And it will come about on that day, declares the Lord, that you will call me my husband and no longer call me my Baal, okay? Baal means other husband, and it has a connotation of a master or a, a slave owner, okay? So he says, you will call me husband instead of these Baals and other things, okay? And then, I will betroth you to me forever, Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in favor and in compassion, and I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will know the Lord. Amen. How good is his love? How reckless is his love? How scandalous is his love? What has she done to prove anything that she's worthy of that love at this point? Not a thing. She is still trying to find her lovers. And he says, I am going to block her paths, and she's not going to be able to find them. And I'm going to take her aside, and I'm going to speak kindly to her. And I'm going to give her the things that she needs, and I'm going to convince her so that she will know who I am. How good is his love? 
How good is his love? Come on, Jesus, you are so good. She has not done anything to earn that response from him, nothing. He just loves her that much. Amen. Somebody say, Jesus, you love me that much. Mm-hmm. So um, we've been doing these presence nights, and uh, the first presence night, I got to facilitate the night and uh, just prayed and just like, Lord, what do you want to do and stuff? And like the whole premise of these nights is like, we're going to seek his face and we're going to have no agenda. And we just like, we just want what he wants. We're just going to gather before his presence. And absolutely, that's, that's the goal. That's the plan. That's the blueprint is just presence. That's, that's the blueprint. Um, but uh, that, that night I facilitated and just like kind of followed what he said and what he was doing. And at the end of the night, I always kind of check in with the Lord. And I'm just like, Lord, what did you think of presence night because like people were like oh it was so good I felt so filled up and like I was encouraged and blessed but I'm like Lord what did you think of presence night and God was like I loved it it was awesome and I'm like yay and then I went to sleep and in my dreams um, I just it kept like turning over in my spirit and I just felt the Lord speaking to me and he's like you are offended by the way I want to show up and I was like Lord what are you talking about you can show up however you want. Like, if you want to, like, knock people on the floor, like, fire tunnel, like, we'll look crazy, we'll shake, we'll do whatever, you know. I'm just like, if it looks like nothing, if it looks like stillness, if it looks like, you know, peace and, and just reverence, however you want to come, show up. I'm like, Lord, how am I offended? How am I offended? And the Lord started speaking to my heart the next morning. And he said, I want to meet people's needs. I want to meet people's needs, and I am never offended when someone approaches me with a need. And I was like, oh, okay, yes, sir, yes, sir. He was never offended when someone approached him with a need. The woman with the issue of blood, she had a very real need, right? And she's like, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I would be healed. He didn't turn around and say, who touched me? You better get to know me better first, right? Seek my face, you know? No. The thing is, is like when people encounter his hand, his face is right there. It's just like, look up, there's his face, <laughs> you know. Like we want to get, it sounds really awesome, and, and there is something awesome to it. Yes, we want to seek his face, but he is never offended by your need, and he wants to meet your need. Amen. Someone say, he wants to meet my need. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, so I'm like, yes, sir, Jesus, whatever need you want to meet, we're, we're open uh, to that. So we might make one of them a healing. We'll see what he wants to do, okay? So Jesus went to the well in Samaria. Do you guys remember the story of the woman at the well in Samaria? Um, she's going about her business, and he pursues a conversation with her, a sinner, right? He opens up a conversation with her, and he probably used one of his Jesus pickup lines. What was his what was the line? Give me some water. <laughs> I love it. Jesus pickup lines. <laughs> <laughs> One of Daniel's best lines he's ever used on me is just like, do you know why Solomon had, what is it, like 800 wives or something like that? Do you know why Solomon had 800 wives? And I'm like, why? And he's like, because he never met you. I'm like, that's a good Jesus pickup line. <laughs> Boys got game still. So, <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so he meets the woman at the well. He meets the woman at the well, and she's just minding her business. She's not seeking his face. She's not trying to get to know him better. And he approaches her, okay, and he says, give me a drink, okay? Now, what was the woman at the well's problem? 
Many of us might respond and say her problem was she had five husbands and then she was shacking up with some dude and that's not cool and Jesus is about to throw down and correct her and then she's going to be better, right? Okay. (laughs) What was her real problem? Her real problem that Jesus identifies to her. He says, your problem is, is that you have a never-ending thirst. And he says, if you come and drink from me, you will never thirst again. And she doesn't get it. She thinks that he's speaking in the natural, like about actual water. And she's kind of sarcastic. It's actually kind of funny when you read it. She's like, oh, give me this water, you know, this water so that I can never thirst again, right? And, uh, and then that's when... He gives the word of knowledge. And it's really, it's just like, I, I know you. I know what it is that you're seeking. Uh, you, you well said that you don't have a husband. He says, go get your husband, right? And she says, I don't have a husband. He says, this is, this is how he actually says it. <laughs> I feel like Chris Farley right now. He says, he says, he says. This is how, but this is how he said it. He says, he says. Sorry. A little stutter for a second, right? So this is what he says. <laughs> He says, beautifully you have said that you have no husband. He said, you said that beautifully, that you have no husband. And he says, because you've had five, and the one that you're living with is not your husband. And he identifies the thing that is her problem, is that she has unmet needs. She is searching for true love. She is looking for some man to fill that empty hole inside of her that is wired for agape, that is wired for a self-sacrificial love to come and fill her up. She is desperately thirsty, and she doesn't know for what, so she's been trying this with men, right? And so Jesus says, if you drink from me, you will never thirst again. He's uncovering what the real problem is, okay? Mm-hmm. In fact, if you drink from my water, a fountain will spring up inside of you and it will overflow. Amen? That's the goal. That's the goal is to be so filled up that we get to overflow. Did you know that's what ministry looks like? Overflow from your number one anointing of being filled up with his love. Amen? Amen. So Jesus is there. He's not offended by her sin. He's not offended by her need, but he shows her how to get her need met. Amen? So let's put up on the screen, this is what he says to her, John 4, 26. John 4, 26. If we've... Oh, sorry. I'll just read it. John 4, 26. Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one you're looking for. I am the one you're looking for. Amen. Somebody say, you're the one I'm looking for. You're the one. He's the one that we're looking for. We just don't know it. When we go out in the world and we're like evangelizing people or just going about our day, he is the one that they're looking for. They just don't know. But they're desperate. They're so thirsty. They're wired for love. That is their problem. Amen. Amen. And here's the cool thing. After this interaction, she leaves her water pot behind. And he also says, I actually don't need food or water now. 
there's this exchange that takes place that fills them both up. Pretty awesome. Amen? Amen. Mm -hmm. Jesus is never offended by people's needs. He meets them. Even the children of Israel out wandering around the wilderness, how does God always respond to their needs? They're like, we need food. We need water. Here you go. Take them, right? It's Moses that translates things and says, you rebels, right? God didn't say you rebels, right? He's just like, this is how to meet their need. Amen? Amen. He decided a long time ago to meet all of your needs. He is for you who can be against you. What he is not for is your false identities. He does not defend our masks <laughs> and our lovers and the things that we, you know, the counterfeit, because he knows that it could never bring satisfaction. Amen. He doesn't condemn us for it, but he doesn't defend them. Amen. He wants to draw us to a place where there is nothing else that we're seeking, but then we discover it's been you this whole time. Amen. I know that we've heard the phrase, he looks at you and he sees Jesus. Um, the thing is, is like people desperately try to preserve their masks because they think it's part of them, because they think that's part of their identity, because shame has so gotten them to buy the lie that who they really are is not going to be worthy of love. Shame is a robber. Okay, shame has convinced them that who they really are behind the mask is not going to be worthy of love. But we know that Jesus Christ was crucified from the foundation of the world. He knows you, he knows you, he knows you, all of it, and he already deemed you worthy. He didn't want to be without you, amen? Shame is lying. So the phrase, he looks at you and he sees Jesus. Yes, he looks at you and sees Jesus, but also he looks at you and he sees you, Okay? He looks at you and he sees you. If you were bought and purchased by the blood of lamb, if you have been washed in his blood and all your sins have been washed away, if you were born again, he looks at you and he sees you. Amen? It's like sometimes we think we're hiding behind a cardboard cutout of Jesus, and if my little toe sticks out, then zap, you know? It's like, oh, man, he saved you because he wanted you. If he just wanted Jesus, then the whole world would be made up a bunch of Jesuses, right? He wanted you. He wanted the uniqueness of who you are. He formed you fearfully, wonderfully in, in your mother's womb. Amen? He wants to see you, and he's done such a good job of cleansing every sin and stain off of your identity that he doesn't see it. In fact, you can consider yourself dead to it. Amen? Consider yourself dead to it. But he doesn't stop there and leave you dead. He resurrected you with Christ so that he can look at you. He can love you. He can convince you how beautiful you are and how much he desires and longs for you, how much he favors you, how much he wants to provide for you, how much he's there for you, how much even in all your afflictions he's afflicted. It says in Isaiah 69.3, in all of your afflictions he's afflicted. Look up the word afflicted anguish, distress. When you are distressed, he's distressed. Not because he's worried about your circumstance, but because he loves your heart. Because he's like, oh, if you just know how much I love you, if you would just receive more of my love, 
Amen. This is the God that we serve. He, like, think of the most compassionate and mercy-hearted person. Beautiful, beautiful, compassionate love. They'll bleed over people's needs and stuff. He gave them that. It's from him. He's compassion and mercy. Amen. Amen. His love and his grace changes everything. It changes everything. So practical application (laughs) is when you're struggling with something, you just get in his presence. Get in his presence and just like, Lord, what is it that I'm missing from my relational experience with you? Period. Amen. And let him... Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling. Amen. It just says, keep yourself in the love of God. It's it's as easy as just keeping yourself in a fountain. It's like, here's 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 the shower right here. And you're just like, I'm I'm just gonna stay right here. I'm just gonna stay right here in his love. It's as easy as that. You don't have to strive for it, you don't have to earn it. It's nothing to do with your behavior. This this is where you live, right here. In his love. <laughs> That's where you live. Okay? Keep yourself in his love. Meditate on his love. Look up the definitions of agape and receive it for yourself. Amen. It's not about doing. It's like who you know. Amen. Amen. Song of Songs says, let him kiss me. I don't want to know about what a good kisser he is. Let him kiss me. Make it personal. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Did you know that he loves when you receive his love? He loves when you receive his love. You are never going to overestimate his love for you. There's never going to be a moment that he's like, okay, okay, you've gone too far now. Like, calm down. Your head's getting a little too big. Like, my love isn't that big. My love isn't that good. And not right now in this moment, right? He's never going to say that to you. It even takes, it says in the word, dunamis power to even begin to receive his love, the the height, the depth, the the width, right? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And I just want to encourage you, just receive it. Just receive it. Just receive it. Just receive it. So Jesus, we just thank you so much, Lord. Lord, that where we failed, where the law failed or was, was weak in the flesh, you did it. You did it. You did it, and you chose to do it. You chose to do it before we even messed up. You chose to do it before we were even created because you are love. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are love. You are perfect love, that you are that ideal that we long for. You are the perfect one that loves us perfectly and knows all our needs. You are the one that wants to meet our needs, God, and we just thank you for it, and we thank you that you have wired us this same, to to give out agape love, to be so filled up with your love that we can give love freely to other people. And we just thank you so much for taking us on a journey. And I just ask even this week that there would be breakthroughs, even right now in this moment, that there would be breakthroughs of people sitting and receiving your love, receiving your goodness in greater and deeper measures, Lord, meditating on how good you are, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.